Hello and welcome to Crackpot Theories, the podcast where everything is plausible until proven otherwise. I'm Sirka. And I'm Sinead. And welcome to another another episode. <laughs> well, do you know what? We're going to open this with um, a little section that I like to call Doubter's Corner. Oh. Where we talk about the things that we got wrong. Oh, no. Yes. Um, <laughs> I received a message um, to say that... The actor that was in the Thomas the Tank Engine and the Magic Railroad um, film was not, in fact, Paul Newman. It was Peter Fonda. Oh, man. Do you know, what's awful here is, right, I've got an awful case of face blindness sometimes. And after a while, most old men kind of look the same to me. So I think that's why I thought he was Paul Newman. He had significantly less chill than Paul Newman actually had. But... I I digress. That is a thing that we got wrong. So far, that's the only message that we've gotten about being wrong so far. That's another pin to put into the cork board. You have to constantly be rearranging your theories to make sure that it all fits all well. Sometimes you get new information. Sometimes old information becomes obsolete. You must progress and move with the tide of crackpots. That's fair. So could we possibly have a theory that um, Peter Fonda somehow tricked me into thinking that he was Paul Newman yes but not today because today we have another theory that I am really looking forward to yes <laughs> and uh, quite controversial, controversial just from <laughs> just from a, a personal side uh, would you like to tell the people about the last time that we brought up a Disney princess theory you pointed your finger at me and you said no no not again. <laughs> yes. So myself and Sinead in our near eight years of friendship have had many heated debates on what qualifies as a Disney princess. Um, are we going to go with the Disney canon that every Disney princess is a Disney princess? Are we going to go by the actual royalty of whether or not a character is royal or not? Or are we going with lineage? Are we going with status? What are we going with? But this devolved one time. Yeah, you see, the way that you're talking about it there sounds significantly more dignified than what actually (laughs) happened. Because as I recall, I was planning on doing because I'd been running crackpot theories already at anime conventions just as a fun activity to talk about with people uh, as a panel I was discussing the fact that I wanted to do a Disney princess theory and this was in around Halloween I think and I believe it was, uh, we yeah. were having drinks at somebody's house and when I brought this up Sorka immediately started saying well who counts as a Disney princess is Esmeralda a Disney princess what about Nala is Nala a Disney princess yes she didn't let me answer (laughs) at all she just kept shouting what about this person is this person Maid Marion is she a Disney princess you can't say that Nala's not a Disney princess Maid Marion is a Disney princess shh (laughs) don't start this again The problem was you would not let me get a word in edgewise and the person who uh, whose house it was was egging you on big time. I'd like to point out that I was very, very drunk at the time. You were, <laughs> which made what happened next probably inevitable because uh, I said to you that you were using an old Greg argument. Yeah. Which is a bit of an in-joke in, in with us that... 
an old Greg argument is where you don't let somebody answer. You just, uh, it's like talking to a brick wall. You will not listen to them at all and you just keep shouting words at them. Your standard Twitter fight. <laughs> I haven't been in any fights on Twitter as far as I know, so I don't know. But yes, this was this was an old Greg argument that she was using. And she got mortally offended by this and just kept and every like she didn't speak to me for the rest of the night. And then the next morning, she was still really angry. I came downstairs and I was trying to talk to her and everything. She just got out her phone and was texting nonstop in the usual kind of I'm really angry with you. So I'm distracting myself with activity so I don't have to look at you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'd like to point out. That I don't drink anymore and I'm significantly more mellow. I think you might have been slightly cranky because this was in around the time you uh, broke your ankle and you had that boot on oh, you. Oh yeah, that sucked. But then for the next couple of years, anytime we talked about it, you were just like, you called me old Greg. And I was like, no, I didn't. I said you were using an old Greg argument. But every time it was brought up, you just said, no, you called me old Greg. How dare you? Um. So then when I finally came to actually doing the panel at an anime convention, I invited Surika along without telling her that that was going to be the first theory. And as soon as the logo came up on the screen, she just looked at me and went, no, we're not doing this again. No, not again. (laughs) My heart can't take it. I had a Vietnam flashback. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. But I think... What qualifies as a Disney princess is a controversial subject in and itself because if you take in like the are we going to include all of Disney properties does that mean Princess Leia is a Disney princess because she's a technically a princess are we just going to go from like your ye olde traditional ones and if like what counts as it Ariel is she a princess is Pocahontas because she's not technically a princess princess or like are we going to include Mulan who has absolutely no royalty you know it is it is a difficult thing to define and I will stand by it I'm significantly more chill now but I'll still stand by it you see the problem wasn't that you had these opinions about the Disney princesses the problem was that you got so ruffled in your jimmies about me calling your argument an old Greg argument yeah and it was because it was no comment so what is our theory for this fine podcast day well you know as you said it's quite a complex subject to talk about which Disney princesses count as Disney princesses. There's a couple Mm. of different ways of viewing this. You use the actual royal um, rules essentially is that they either have to marry into royalty or they have to be born royalty. Or you use the Disney metric which is they have to appear with the other Disney princesses in the Disney merchandise. So that rules Mm. out people like Vanellope, um, Princess Leia, all of those. Vanellope just appeared in the film. Not yeah, the I was. Merch. I was about to say she did make one appearance, but it wasn't a. It's a, why you. It wasn't con- a standard lineup. Yeah, and even when you think about the dolls in the toy shops, Pocahontas mm. is in there. Mulan is in there. Um, Pocahontas is only certain certain times in there. She isn't as included as much as Mulan. She isn't, but she has been in the lineup she hasn't before. Been included, once yeah. or twice, Alice has been. Really? Yes, once or twice. Tinkerbell has never been but that's because she has her own franchise but the thing I'm going to talk about here is that uh, I don't think Belle 
counts as a Disney princess in any way, shape, or form, and oh. I will explain why. <laughs> We're getting into it now. All right. So the main theory that I actually have about um, Belle is that she would never have been permitted to marry um, the Beast after he transformed back into Prince Adam. Mm. Uh, air quotes, but we will talk about that in a minute. Um, first of all, when you're working at the time period, when I did the research for this, uh, they pinned the time that this takes place in between 1730 and 1870. Yeah. And when you recall kings that were ruling around that time, most kings did not marry because they fell in love at all. They yeah, married. It was to arranged. Se- yeah, it was arranged because uh, they were securing military alliances. And there's also the fact that a lot of royals had a very bad track record when it came to marrying people they weren't supposed to. Um, mm. Probably the uber example there is um, Edward IV marrying Elizabeth Woodville. Now, Elizabeth Woodville was not a commoner by any standards. She was a widow. She wasn't quite as rich as other people, but she did come from a very noble line of people. But this was massively unpopular. It's very scandalous at the time. And like it would have been much preferred for him to marry somebody who had the backing of a military behind them it would have yeah. made more sense but he decided to kind of throw his lot in with this uh, widow who had two children of her own already because um, you're not allowed to marry somebody that's already been married if you're royal isn't it? It's you not can really but it's massively unpopular like frowned upon it depends on what kind of king you are right because this is a lot of fun though I'm going to talk about one of my favourite monarchs because um, <laughs> I think I know which one you're going to talk about which one? The axe thrower? No, actually, I'm not going to talk about her because, um, like, she she married into royalty. But um, there there was um, historically a Prince Marie Therese of Orléans, um, I do believe was her name, but not her full title. She married into royalty, but hated her husband, so she rebelled. And at one point, um, the entire army had to chase her across a, st- a swamp. <laughs> uh, because she was run she was literally running away from her husband because she hated him that much he wasn't a bad guy she just really really hated him uh, used to write him horrible letters all the time but they locked her up in a convent briefly and she got out because she threatened the uh, prioress with an axe that's that's the one that I always stick, sticks in my head that like if you're gonna be a difficult person be it good difficult person yeah. with axe throwing <laughs> no, basically like the this this anecdote was in a book that I read about um, royal women who had affairs or who got yeah. out of situations that were deeply unpleasant for them and in order to get out of her situation first of all she had to have the right kind of husband somebody that would be cowed by the fact that she just would not leave him alone <laughs> and also she had to be such an incredibly toxic person that people would want to pay just to have her leave <laughs> which they did in the end he gave her a pension and he sent her off and she had like her boyfriends and uh, all off in the countryside um, and she was happy well I say happy she was never happy she wrote some horrible letters until the day he died until the day she died hated everybody <laughs> and then haunted him afterwards <laughs> she I think in one of her letters she did threaten to come back and haunt him Um. <laughs> 
or no, I think it was something where he, she was convinced that he was trying to have her assassinated and she kept writing him notes that said, if I turn up dead tomorrow, I'm going to tell everybody you did it. I'm going to haunt you. Um, no, the the actual monarch that I was going to talk about was Peter the Great of Russia. Oh, right. Um, because he he was a real kind of screw the rules, I have money. No, or, no what it was is, screw the rules, I'm built like a wrestler. <laughs> Are you going to stop me? I can bench press you. That's the thing, okay? Because he was physically a really imposing man. He was bordering on being a giant. He had a massive military who would do whatever he wanted and he just gave no you-know-whats. Okay, no. He gave... Uh, <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't have a thing to give at all. I never, ever get tired of the donkey noise. <laughs> no, what was great about him was uh, that at the time that he came to power, um, the Russia was almost eastern in its influence but then he decided we want to be more like the rest of Europe let's all start wearing powdered wigs and behaving ourselves to the point where he went around with a pair of scissors and would cut off long beards and long sleeves if he saw them he chased his own people his own courtiers around the palaces with a pair of scissors if he didn't if he didn't like you he could get you in a headlock and wrestle you into submission so not only did he have massive military prowess, but he could physically dominate you as well. Could you imagine how terrifying it would be? Like, if you had done something stupid in school and you're sent to the headmaster's office and you're he already has the power to, like, expel you or suspend you or give you detention or everything, but he's decided that he's going to get out of his chair, reach across the desk and just punch you for a while. <laughs> that is horrifying. It is. But he did it. Didn't care. Now, he had a wife already. Um, Eudoxia was her name. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Didn't like her. Sent her to a convent. I think possibly may have had her killed. <laughs> As you do. He also did not like his son that she gave him. He sent him away. Possibly had him killed. Ended up in a swamp somewhere. Um, He married who he wanted. He married a washerwoman slash uh, prostitute that followed his army on their campaign, took a liking to her, decided, I'm going to marry her. His courtier said, you can't marry her. And he said, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> fight me. You want to fight about it? I'll see you outside. You know who's <laughs> going to win this one. <laughs> yeah. You can come to my wedding in your wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He just boxed everybody into submission. But a lot of royals did not have... The luxury of just being that insane. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he got to marry who he wanted. And then like also he found out that she had an affair. And he had her lover killed. Because he's the he emperor. Could. Did what he wanted. Um. So. But that is the one example of a royal. Being able to marry whoever the hell he wanted. And deciding that whoever the hell he wanted was a commoner. Most um monarchs who fell in love with somebody random who wasn't necessarily royal, just took them on as mistresses. Or they abdicated like... Um, well, yeah. Queen the Ed- Elizabeth's... M- Edward VIII, um, oh, cool. who married Wallace Simpson. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is... Um, that was an abdication. Queen Elizabeth's uh, uncle. Yep. Yeah, that was an abdication. He only secured that with a lot of effort. Mm. Back years ago, that would have not been allowed at all. And I mean... This was just entering into the modern age. And it wasn't necessarily... His abdication wasn't 
just about the fact that There's he wanted a lot of to. Things. Yeah, the, the, the fact that he was a Nazi supporter as well. I did not know that. The Crown did not teach me that. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, no, apparently both him and Wallace Simpson were uh, big fans of Hitler. Oh. <laughs> and that is as political as we're going to get for this oh, set. No. Yeah, there was a lot of reasons he abdicated. But um, the fact is that uh, if he hadn't abdicated, I mean, he wouldn't have been allowed to marry her anyway. If yeah. it had been 50 years earlier, he wouldn't have been allowed to marry her. Uh, royals are still very much bound by public opinion, first of all, because, I mean, royals can revolt and then kill everybody, as we saw in France. Um, more on that later. <laughs> but generally, when a king tried to go and marry somebody else, it ended badly for them. We now know Henry VIII especially married pretty much whoever he wanted and it never yeah. went well for him. He yeah. had Anne Boleyn killed. Um, Divorce, beheaded, died. Divorce, beheaded, survived. That's how you remember the six wives of Henry VIII. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he um, he threw his entire country into years of bloody civil war because he didn't want the wife that he had and wanted the other wife he had. And that caused huge ructions as well because at the time they were waging campaigns in Ireland and he took his eyes off the prize, essentially. Yeah. Um, For which we should probably be very grateful, but... <laughs> But anyway, um, this is the thing. He caused a huge amount of trouble because he just wanted to marry whoever he wanted to marry and it usually ended up quite badly. And then Elizabeth herself, his daughter, didn't want to get married full stop because she was traumatised after seeing what happened to um, her father's wives. And again, that sent the crown into massive issues as well. But typically, a royal will marry who you tell them to depending on who's really turning the screws on the actual throne. Yeah. So when we get to the whole thing with the beast, now, when we're introduced to the beast, we are told in no uncertain terms that he's a prince. That is the, fir yeah. the first few words of the thing is that he was a prince that lived in a castle and that he was 21. He was before the age 21. He had to meet somebody and fall in love. I thought it was his 18th or was it, was it 21? It was 21. Yeah. That's what they said in the version that I saw. Um. So... If we are putting this in, and we are basing this on uh, clothes at the time, yeah. Uh, even though, I mean, the film is a mishmash of time periods. Belle's gold dress. There has rarely been a cosplay that has given me as much trouble as go Belle's gold dress. Because I had to do a lot of research on 18th century sewing techniques in order to try and get it historically accurate. And even then, I had to mix up three different time periods in order to get it done. I had to take, because what it was, was it was um, a Victorian corset, yep. an American colonial dress shape, all mixed with an American prom dress from the 1960s, possibly the <laughs> 1980s. Even the hair wasn't accurate. It was... Um, her, her sleeve poofs were very 80s. like They were. The skirt was the wrong shape. She actually should have had panniers. Yeah. Uh, Cinderella in the Cinderella film she had panniers because that was the shape of the dress actually funnily enough now uh, this is another rant for another time but Cinderella's um, dress shape now on the merch that she's in it appears that she has a bell shaped skirt but it has these little two swags coming down those swags are meant to be worn with side panniers side hoops yep. not bell skirts because they don't hang right when you put a regular hoop skirt underneath them yep blasphemy 
I have many, many thoughts <laughs> on the historical accuracy of uh, costumes. But this is the thing. We can date it between the uh, ages of 1730 and 1870. Now, who was on the throne in around this time? I would imagine it was one of the Louis because if it's set in France, like so it would be around yeah, it is. Like, it is Versailles unam- time. It is unambiguously set in France. Now, what we can kind of ascertain is um, Louis the Fourteenth, the last kind of successful king the of God France. King. <laughs> no, he was the Sun King because he was like he was super flamboyant and everybody liked him. And he had, well, not him, but his mistress, Madame de Pompadour, had ushered in a new age of art and literature and enlightenment. Debauchery. <laughs> not even she was actually very prudish. It was him. Was it the one before it? No, no. Um, he had two mistresses that were really of note. Madame de Pompadour was the first one, and that was when he was a younger man. And Madame de Barry, um, who died by the guillotine, um, as you do, and was also renowned as being probably the most beautiful woman in France at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, very nice person. Not that clever. Went back to France in the middle of the revolution. Yeah, you don't. Do Even that. though she had been abroad, you don't at the do time. That. You you were on. Yeah. So. I mean, Louis XIV, he was a good king. He was a successful king and he did a lot of really cool things. But um, he was getting older. He had a disease as well from uh, all the fun that he had in his younger years, even though he lived a decent long life. He um, he stopped ruling in 1715. Yeah. And then his son took over, but his son didn't actually last that long. No, he, he died very young, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. That was Louis the Fifteenth. And then Louis the Sixteenth, which we will remember as the one who married Marie Antoinette. Yep. And then got guillotined. So we're saying now Adam is the name of the beast after he transforms. Yep. But Prince Adam. Yeah. Well they say Prince Adam, but there's no royals that are called Adam. Adam is not like that's a biblical name. It's not a name that you would give to a French royal. A lot of them were uh, Louis or Philippe or Henry. Or all of those. And in fact... Um, Antoine was a one as well, wasn't it? No. But Marie Antoinette, all of her female siblings were also called Marie. But Antoine was her proper name. Because you gave them uh, your... When you had princes and princesses, you gave them the name that they would rule with. And then you gave them the name that you called them by. Yeah. So... People wouldn't really refer to him as Prince Adam. He was probably either either a Louis or a Philippe or something along those lines because he would... Now, this is also... The horse was called Philippe. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. The minute you said it, it was like, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, The horse was called Philippe, but um, Adam himself, that would probably have just been his given name. Now... We're thinking he's probably an offshoot of the royal family because they mm-hmm. put him in a castle very far away. Now, that was actually a regular thing for a lot of royals. Um, there was uh, Princess Joanna the Mad that they locked in a tower um, at one point. And then uh, one of um, Queen Elizabeth's fa- uh, father, he had a brother that had epilepsy and possibly autism and he was sent away to an yeah. estate to live. So... That's not an unheard of thing that he was sent away to a distant estate, but he wasn't in line for the throne at that point. Right. So that's not a thing. So we're thinking he's probably an offshoot of the Sun King, maybe a distant cousin of whoever's on the throne at the time. Um, now, the problem is French Revolution. Mm. King gets his neck snicked off. 
but then there's people after the revolution trying to put relatives back on the throne yep. and in order to do that and in order to stop the peasants from uprising again they have to secure alliances they have to make good marriages yeah so if he's an offshoot of this uh, royal line he would not be allowed to marry Belle because Belle nope. is a commoner and she is a proper dyed-in-the-wool commoner. I mean, you can make an excuse for Cinderella that she was allowed to marry her prince because she actually came from a noble family. She did, S- yeah. Snow White started off as a princess and then married a prince. Do you know something that I only found out quite uh, recently about Snow White? Too? Do you know her prince has a name? Mm. I can't remember it off the top Prince of Florin. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, he has a name because you just see him in the background. And I was like, haha. He has a name. So, sorry, there's a random tidbit for you. No, Snow that's White's, okay. Snow White's prince is Prince Florin. Yeah. They can, like, the funny thing is in Snow White and Cinderella, they could break the rules a little bit with that because mm. those are not specified as taking place in any in any actual place. I mean, uh, it looks to me like um, Snow White's kingdom is possibly um, maybe Navarre, Castile. Belgium yeah somewhere it, like that it does look kind Some of Belgian doesn't it very vaguely European possibly even she, Dutch yeah because she wears clogs in it so it would Belgian Holland might even be Wales <laughs> no I'm sorry I'm <laughs> never gonna let you forget that but it would make sense to be like the because the Netherlands still has a monarchy doesn't it it does yeah they've got as still far as ongoing. I know going, yeah they don't have power they're mostly for tourism books the same way um, it's uh, Willem King Willem is currently, or Prince Willem is currently in charge. I don't know. To be honest, um, modern day monarchies bore me. I like reading about all the gory details. So historical monarchies are are my, especially ones that turn completely insane and start enforcing their will on everybody. Fair enough. But only in the most awesome way possible. With axe throwing. (laughs) And headlocks. And possibly suplexes. Oh God, could you imagine Okay, so um, shortly after they tried to get another king, another Louis on the throne, uh, Napoleon comes along and starts taking over France and quite a few other places as well. And then after they got rid of him, there was a thing called the Bourbon Restoration and they put a distant royal cousin on the throne. And his name was Louis-Philippe the Citizen King because he was Mm. supposed to be popular with the common people. But again, not allowed marry. No. A commoner, you know, and he didn't last very long because another Napoleon came along and took the monarchy out from under him. And that was the end of the monarchy in France, full stop. Mm. So if there was ever a hope of Prince Adam remaining Prince Adam, he would have not been allowed to marry Belle. So Mm. Belle is not a Disney princess. At most, she would have been his mistress. Unless he abdicated any chance of the throne for her. But then he would have always been a threat. Because either one of the Napoleons would have looked at him and said, there's people planning to put him on the throne and get rid of me. I need to get rid of him ASAP. Yeah. Because when you're in that desperate situation, they'd almost forgive him if he did marry Belle just to get somebody on the throne that was from a royal bloodline. But no, because him marrying a commoner from his own country would mean that as a newly discovered royal that just came out of hiding, you know, England would want them to marry somebody from there. 
or Spain, Spain yeah. to secure alliances and they would be severely angry if he just said nope I'm going to marry this random woman here because I'm love it's like love love has no place in the monarchy <laughs> what do you think this is some form of Disney movie <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah but um, sorry <laughs> if he did marry Belle we can expect assassination for both of them especially if this is in the later time period there were royal assassinations going on and it's never confirmed that Gaston died he just kind of fell which is a very good Disney trope when you don't want to kill off your villain and be like the person that killed the villain they just fall from a great height I mean, but there he... was a moat so there is a chance that Gaston could have fallen into the moat and then been like no no I'm not having any of this I'm gonna go assassinate like Prince Adam and that do you know what's really funny though um, Napoleon had an army called a part of the army that he called the old guard they were all over six foot tall really statuesque imposing men built like a barge yeah <laughs> so it's possible that uh, afterwards he kind of he would have left the village because he'd been humiliated and uh, I mean when you're angry with the royal and the woman that was stolen from you in your mind uh, where do you go but the anti-monarchist rebellion yep so he went off and he joined Napoleon's army yes I like how this theory has just taken taken a complete swing and I'm so proud of us. I am too. The, and there was a lot of history in this one too. That's unusual. Yeah. I wonder how many letters we're going to get now about how wrong we were about certain things. Probably a lot. <laughs> so far we're doing well that we only had one. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're going to... Uh, um, I'm just checking my notes now to see did I miss anything because I missed stuff with the pretty cure one we, and I was like that's never going to happen again we have to file through like the scraps of paper and tinfoil and I have so much string I am basically a string monster at the moment see I actually just have one massive piece of paper strapped across the top uh, over a picture of Belle's dress that said fuck this costume <laughs> <laughs> I loved wearing it I loved seeing the faces of little girls as I walked by them going oh wow but I hated every minute of making that dress do you want to know something very fun about you making Disney dresses what? when my mother was making my wedding dress I insisted that there was some kind of sleeve because I really remember you saying princesses don't have bare shoulders so that's why my wedding dress had a little bit of a sleeve on it. Ah. <laughs> yeah. oh God, I'm such a purist. <laughs> Do you remember that time that we were, um, I was trying to make um, Danielle de Babrak's, um, which is a great version of the Cinderella fairy tale from Ever After. Oh yeah, I was I trying to make her, her dress and I was looking for the right one because it was a Renaissance high, high-waisted gown and I was flicking through it and you sort of found a pattern and you said, hey, this one's a medieval pattern. And I looked over and I went, that's renaissance not medieval or no that's medieval not renaissance and you just went okay I'm sorry I'll, I'll go just back stop to my ta- hole I'll just stop talking now <laughs> I was like it wasn't even anything personal it was just that little thing is like that's not the right shape I'm like that when it comes to shades like my artist comes into me and it's like that's lavender not periwinkle you heathen <laughs> I'm, I'm quite like that everybody's got something <laughs> everybody has got something um 
Okay, so we will move on to our next theory. Disney. Yeah, it's our second Disney theory. And yep. this one is about Cinderella, which was probably my favorite Disney film uh, for many, many years. Still is. I, ha- I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Cinderella. In fact, I think for one of my birthdays one year, we did a Cinderella yes. party in your house. And there was Cinderella cake. There was. I made a, I made a three-layer Cinderella cake because I never got one when I was a kid. So I was just like, I'm going to live my Cinderella dreams as an adult because nobody can stop me. <laughs> but we watched a whole bunch of different adaptations of Cinderella. We watched the Disney one and then the Disney remake and then Ever After. And the one with Brandy. And the one with Brandy, which was the Rodgers and Hammerstein one. And then this really weird ghetto one that we found on YouTube. Yeah, That was, was in French. That was in French. And instead of losing her shoes, this this woman took it off and threw it at the guy <laughs> and cracked him in the head and was just like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And instead of a ball, it was like a back garden barbecue. <laughs> it was a barbecue, I remember. I, it must have been a student project or something, but it was by far the most memorable out of all of them that it was like, yes, never forget French ghettos in <laughs> because it was it wasn't even like a normal heel that you'd associate with with Cinderella like a lovely pump no no it was like had loads of laces sandal was it a gladiator sandal it was but it had a really high heel it was like something you'd go down the pub in and I'm like that's why she struggled to get it off like hopping around before she flung it at the guy it's like it was majestic if ever you come across it I highly recommend you you watch it on YouTube and if by any chance you're the person that made this I don't know how big this podcast will get if you ever if you were the person that made French ghetto Cinderella (laughs) thank you just thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating such majesty so yeah we (laughs) we actually we should do that party again but with a different fairy tale like we do as many different adaptations of Sleeping Beauty as we can find including mm. the horror one. Oh, the horror one is good the horror one is good and there's a great uh, Snow White horror one as well with Sigourney Weaver in it please tell me that's not the one with Kirsten Stewart in it no oh thank god no no it's considerably <laughs> better it's got a lower budget but it's super dark and grim and really depressing as well which I just love so- like um, Snow White's mother gets eaten by wolves in the first three minutes Yes. <laughs> okay, so anyway. <laughs> Cinderella. Yes. So my theory about Cinderella is not that Cinderella... Because there's a lot of um, think pieces and everything about Cinderella just kind of sitting back and being complicit in her own abuse. Meek. And not, yeah, meek. And then, you know, there's a lot of people defending her that says when you're in an abusive situation, you don't necessarily have the tools to fight back. And then historical scholars, um, i.e. me, uh, will say that at the time she wouldn't have had that many options if she wanted to get out of that house. And she probably wanted to hold on to the estate because that was the only money she'd ever come into if something happened to the stepmother and stepsisters. But for this theory, we are theorizing that Cinderella may have been poisoning the stepmother and the stepsisters yes. for years since they married. Yes. <laughs> so what do you think of this theory? Well, this came into my mind a while ago. I was literally just lying in bed, just going, there's something about Cinderella that doesn't quite sit well with me. If you look at all of the other character designs of Cinderella, of all the other humans in Cinderella, 
they all look normal. They all look relatively humanoid. But then when you look at the two ugly stepsisters and you know they're supposed to be ugly, but they look like their faces are covered in tumours. They're so disproportionate. So I'm like, there's something not right there. So my, it came into my head that what if Cinderella, as seeking revenge for their horrible behaviours, rocking up, she was the one feeding them, clothing them, changing their washing. She was just poisoning them ever so slowly and they were breaking out in hives and boils and it was physically messing up their faces because it wasn't enough to outright kill them. Just a very long, prolonged illness. Yeah. Well, I looked into this theory on your behalf and I found a lot of evidence. Uh, The first piece of evidence I'm going to use is that Cinderella is very cheerful for a Mm -hmm. person who is uh, suffering under in an abusive household. But she's also very sarcastic. Yeah. Like she's always giving out and talking to the mice like, oh, I guess they want me again. You know, I'd better go see what these terrible people want. And it's just, you know, that's a coping mechanism, obviously, when you really don't like somebody. But I think what's making her cheerful and I kind of use myself as, as an example here. I think that part of the reason I'm such a cheerful person is that I like really dark, depressing stuff. <laughs> it's like a catharsis for me. So it's almost like you have to get the evil out somehow in order to maintain a sunny disposition. Mm. And I think Cinderella expressed the evil inside her through poison. So what happened here is um, when you're watching the film and you're introduced to the stepmother and the stepsisters, the stepsisters look considerably younger than Cinderella. Cinderella, when we're introduced to her, she looks about 12. Mm. Um, The stepsisters look very young when they're first introduced. They look like they might be kind of six, seven, eight years old, 12 at the very, at the very oldest they're younger than she is they yeah yeah and when they're first introduced they look a little bit weird they're not ugly as such but i mean i've they get significantly more so as they got older yeah you see i've raised many a child and um, you grow into your face you do lots of kids are weird looking now obviously i (laughs) think i think all children are beautiful no matter what because that's just the way i'm built um but you have to admit that some kids just have really funny little faces. Yeah. You know, features that would look very unattractive on a person as they age still look very cute when they're a child. You know, and that's the case with the uh, two stepsisters. They've got very cute children's faces. They look considerably more cartoony than Cinderella, which is obvious because Cinderella herself is rotoscoped. Yeah. And they aren't. They're deliberately set to be more cartoony. Um. So, yeah, they were small children when she married. But that means that Lady Tremaine must have not been that old when she got married. Because if they are 12 years old, that puts her, when we're taking in the time period as well, that she would have had them when she was 40 at the latest. Even in that time period, like at 40, it would be pushing it like for her to still be alive because they wouldn't have the same... Well, no, she was was from a good family. They said this, she had a very good social background. She had a very good family. But that means that they would have set up her marriage quite early. She might have been married by the time she was 18. 
And then if she was in good health, she would have had the two children relatively quickly. So she could not have been that old. Mm. Like, obviously, these days, it's not that unusual for women in their 40s to have children. But that's because uh, women these days are a hell of a lot healthier. And even back then, a person who came from really good backgrounds, they could have great nutrition for the time. But their personal care under a doctor would not be as good as we have it now. So I think 40 is possibly pushing it to the Extreme like you could life. you could argue for 50 because there has been monarchs that like ancient monarchs that had children or at least at the very least they got pregnant may not had you know taken the child to term but at least still had the capacity to get pregnant when they were in their 50s um but it was unusual mm. so we're saying she cannot be that old and even at 50 you don't generally look as old as uh, the stepmother in the film does look. No. And the stepmother, when they introduce her with the two small girls, she looks like she could be in her 60s. Yeah. You know, she got, she's got the, the gray hair. She's got the very long, droopy face. Um, and the hairstyle that she's wearing in particular is a real dowager type hairstyle. Yeah. Uh, it is a hairstyle that you kind of associate with older women. Um. But again, that could also be a way to cover up bald patches. I see. If she you know? was getting older, she would have. Because that is a hairstyle that you actually might associate with uh, the likes of Elizabeth I. And she would have had yeah. that when she was relatively young. But of course, she was being eaten alive by lead poisoning. So, yep. of course, she had those types of hairstyles to hide bald patches. Um. So, yeah, she should not look as old as she does. No. Um. The stepsisters are also massively over-emotional. Like, mm. they seem incredibly childish in a way that they shouldn't be. They're, they have tantrums. Uh, they're spiteful. They freak out at little things. Um, and um, actually, what's really funny is when I showed the film for the very first time to a girl who was two years old, and... Um, she really took to the stepsisters for some reason and she used to walk around the house the way they do with uh, you know holding up the skirt in front of her and just kind of like bouncing from side to side yeah it was really really adorable but she she did that for almost an entire year it was really cool <laughs> Sophie if you're listening to this I'm talking about you it was very very cute back then Um, <clears throat> so yeah they're very very childish now when you're talking about uh, poisons mm. of the era arsenic it was a rat poison and Cinderella ain't poisoning no rats no all of the mice in that chateau are very much alive also poison is notoriously a woman's murder method because like if a man was to murder somebody it's usually quite visceral it's usually very violent usually stabbings gunshots etc but I have watched enough true crime to know that a woman's preferred murder method is always poison. Do you know another really, like a really funny historical fact um, is about, um, I think it was Louis Twelfth had a, it was either Louis Twelfth or the possibly the 13th, but the one before the Sun King. Mm. Um, he had a mistress that was actually secretly feeding him poison <laughs> in order to keep him faithful. She was actually going to a witch called La Vazon, um, and the mistress's name was uh, Athenaeus de Montespan. And because he had a roving eye, he was notorious for having a roving eye, 
um, she wanted to keep him faithful. So she went to Lavazon and Lavazon gave her some a small dose of poison to just slip into his food so that whenever... And she'd slip the antidote in as well. Yeah. So that any time that she was away for any length of time, he'd feel really, really ill. He found out about this. Um, Lavazon was executed. He did not execute Madame de Montespan, even though he probably should have because that is treason. Um, but he exiled her. Uh, even though I think she had like 12 of his children. Oh, wow. Yeah, his wife was long dead at this point. But um, he was so freaked out by what had happened that he went and secretly married Madame de Montespan's governess who was in charge of his children. <laughs> oh, no. Because she was, she, she was a widow and she was really, really religious and he wanted to get closer to God to just kind of cleanse himself of all that bad juju. So he married Madame de Maintenon instead, which was the name of the governess. So she was the secret queen of France for a little while. That is amazing. Yeah, that's a, another anecdote that I really, really like. But yeah, like that, you can feed a slow acting poison and something to counteract the poison in order to make somebody's life fairly miserable. Like not enough to kill them, but enough to make them sickly. Yeah, like there's a couple of different poisons that were in vogue around the time. Um, Strychnine was another one. And these are all naturally um, devised, but you'd have to be very careful about how much you're putting in. With arsenic, uh, do you remember the book Flowers in the Attic? No, I'm sorry, I don't. No, it's okay. Um, it was a big thing in the 80s and the early 90s. Um, the children in that book were poisoned by their mother who put arsenic inside powdered sugar that she sprinkled oh, no. over some donuts. And they didn't know, like, they didn't even register that there was a slightly bitter aftertaste. But they didn't realize that they were being poisoned until one of them died. Um, yeah. Oh, dear. Pretty grim. But that means you can use a tiny bit of arsenic over a long period of time that won't kill somebody, but will make them intensely miserable. Doesn't arsenic make your teeth fall out? It does after a while, after a high concentration. It makes your hair fall out, makes your teeth fall out, stunts your growth. Actually, I have a list of the symptoms right here. Um, yeah, first of all, skin cancer, lung cancer, bladder cancer, and kidney cancer can cause all of those. Many different types of cancer. Yeah. Thickening of the skin and odd pigmentation. Oh, that okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, nerve damage. All right. The stepsisters are incredibly clumsy. They keep falling over and stuff and they're not graceful. No, they're like... they're not. They they are not. Um disturbances in your circulation. When we first meet them, they're in bed. Um and it's it's implied to be kind of late in the morning when they're in bed. Um and I mean I stay in bed for quite late because I've got very bad circulation in my hands and my feet. And I don't get out of bed until I'm significantly warmer. So that is a problem that I have in common with those people. Uh, but as well as that, you know, Cinderella has to serve breakfast to them in bed. Yeah. You know, which is another thing. They can't get up, go downstairs. They need something to warm them up. So she brings them up uh, tea in order to warm them up so that they can kind of carry on with their day. Which I think may be pointing to the fact that they have bad circulation. They're not just lazy. Mm. they are sick and yeah. she knows why they're sick yeah <laughs> and then there's also uh, long term neurological damage which will explain why they're crazy yes <laughs> um, 
Now, when you look at them, like when they freak out because Cinderella is wearing um, one of the stepsisters' beads and she's wearing the sash, and they they're like, "That's mine." That's a reaction, even for like cruel people. That is a reaction that you would expect out of a three-year-old. Yeah. And then to kind of rip it off you. I mean, I've had toddlers have that reaction with things. You know, I had to chase a toddler down the street one time when she like uh, she was so angry that she got a chair, got the key, opened the door, and ran down the street. Oh god! And I had to run after her to catch her. Uh, Sophie, this is you again, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, another time she tried to hit me with um, a kitchen pole. She's the, getting a razzin today. <laughs> no, no. Um, that's normal for three years old when they're so angry that they're just not acting rationally. Some uh, A woman on Mumsnet said one time that uh, her, her son was so angry that he licked his brother's head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And, and the many, many bite marks that I have on my arms and my legs will stand testament to the fact that toddlers throw tantrums about just about anything. But you wouldn't expect that of a near, what, 20-year-old? You would if they are significantly developmentally delayed. You know, when we first see them, when they're introduced to us, the two girls are kind of standing very demure with their hands crossed in the proper ladylike way. Yeah, they're very, very like almost delicate the way they're standing. You'd expect them to be quite graceful even. Yes, except Mm. that something has clearly gone wrong. The other thing is um, things like their hands and their feet are very large. They're disproportionately large. They're very underdeveloped. They don't really have a womanly figure as no. such um, even in the dresses which like the, the ball dresses that they wear those should be designed to give an artificial figure yeah but they don't like they're very very like underdeveloped yeah they really are they've got very cartoony sort of proportions which again makes sense if they are somehow if they've sustained some sort of nerve damage they're not growing right yeah which if you're poisoning somebody for a very long time since they're kids, it would start affecting their growth. Yes, exactly. So then when they come to try on the slipper, the shoe is too small. It's like for their height, they're shorter than Cinderella, as yeah. far as I can remember. Uh, they're just a little bit shorter. Usually that would dictate that you would have smaller feet. From like I know there are some people who are quite short that have bigger feet but you would assume that they would have smaller feet so for Cinderella to be like 5 foot 8, 5 foot 9 say roughly and have teeny tiny feet and these people who look like they're only maybe about 5, 4, 5, 5 to have absolute flippers that they could go scuba diving with it just hmm it's not right Something's for gone both wrong there. of them to have quite large feet as well. Yeah, it's and like, then mm. when you look at them when they're kids in the two scenes that they're in when they're kids, their hands and their feet are normal sized. Yeah. I suppose if you have circulation issues, there's fluid retention. So they could have maybe pretty th- thick feet and ankles. Because like, I know that's a thing when you have circulation problems, your bro- blood pressure is up or down and that it does cause swelling of like your extremities and stuff so yeah big time um the other thing is like about their mother uh she walks with a cane yeah you know she's not that old she like that's 
what people have said about me when I've walked with a cane uh, on occasion. It's like, you're too young to be walking around with a stick. It's like, well, I can't help it. I can't walk. Uh, <laughs> but it's the same thing. She, like, if she's actually suffering from age-related um, ailments, yeah, of course she's going to be walking with a stick, but she should not be that old. If she's weak, like, she'd need one. At that point, she looks like she could be in her 70s, which would make Cinderella and the stepsisters in their 30s. Easily. Maybe if, even if in their old, 40s, which yeah. these days isn't really that old. But back you know, then you can, it would be. You like. can still be considered eligible because the ball was for every eligible maiden. Um, I mean... Back then, I think you wouldn't necessarily be considered uh, eligible if you were a spinster. But I know in, like, if you're go- to go with Cinderella Cannon, she's only about 18 to 21. Yeah. So there would be no way that the stepmother would be that old. Exactly. And I mean, if she had been poisoning them over the course of 20 years, they'd be yeah. dead. <laughs> they but would like be a dead. solid 10? Yeah. You'd... Not even 10, a solid 8. You know, if she was 12 when they married and she's 21, then that's slightly less than a decade of poisoning, which you could do. I think um, Madame de Montespan actually did poison the king for that length of time. And he didn't die. He was actually fine after she got exiled. So the more you know. Yeah, the more you know. I've really enjoyed this episode. I got to talk about like stuff I don't get to talk about very so often. Much royalty and lots of history. We learned lots and lots of history. Yeah, and and uh, not an old Greg argument in the bunch, which has been great. Uh, our friendship can continue unabated. I like how there was so much fact in this episode that it, is it a crackpot theory or a plausible theory? It borders on plausible. Mm. That's a shame. <laughs> okay, so quick, we have to do something. We have to make a crackpot. Otherwise, we just look like a pair of amateurs. What if Philippe the horse was a person the same way that the candlestick was a person in Beauty and the Beast? Um, what? Anywho, that's, um, ta- that's <laughs> talking about Beauty and the Beast. We're trying, like Cinderella is the one that's too plausible. We have to do something about it. They're both too plausible. Well, anyway... Uh, that was a very fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed talking about it, didn't we? We certainly did. It always is. <laughs> now, if we have gotten anything wrong uh, and you would like to be featured on Doubter's Corner, then please write to us to tell us what we have gotten wrong because we will discuss it and all of the ways in which we couldn't, you know, necessarily be wrong if we think about it hard enough. Uh, but you can find us on Instagram at Crackpot Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Crackpot Pod. You can find us on YouTube, uh, but please don't because I I don't want you to see my terrible drawings that I did to accompany those episodes. They're majestic. I highly recommend the Cats one. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, I saw the Cats film. Yeah. What was it like? I loved it. What did it live up to every bit of your expectations? I went in there expecting a disaster because the way people were acting, it was like a hate crime had been committed against (laughs) them. So I was going in there expecting an absolute train wreck. But I think my weirdness meter is just tuned enough that I didn't find it that weird. Oh, man. I really need to watch it because I'm excited. (laughs) I enjoyed it. It had had all the things I like. Um, The only problem that I had is that uh, Cat Team Rocket. I didn't like the way they did their song, but they did the original song from the original musical, not the one I liked. That's a minor gripe. I was okay with the CGI. I was, uh, um, 
the plot still made perfect sense to me and as much as the plot can make sense to anybody. <laughs> but I think like I never brought this up before when I was discussing Cats, but I have seen at least two musicals that are weirder than Cats. First of all, Godspell, which is uh, which has a film adaptation and it is a bunch of biblical psalms performed by clowns that look like hippies. And Jesus is, it has an afro and he's wearing a Superman t-shirt. And it's set in the 70s. And yeah, so that is a musical that I have seen. <laughs> Are you okay? You look like you had a stroke. I have no words. Uh, that's my time up, but... Um, God damn. Uh, yeah, that's God's spell. And then... A thing that was also uh, that I shouldn't have um, I should have brought it up in the Thomas the Tank Engine episode but Starlight Express 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 is a Thomas the Tank Engine fan fiction that was turned into a musical it's about a bunch of trains that are having a race it is so popular in Germany that they built an entire theatre just for Starlight Express I mean, if Twilight fan fiction can become several books and several movies, then there's hope for us all. There when is My Immortal getting a movie adaptation? When is it getting a musical adaptation? A musical. You know, what, is, what this has really proved is there is no story that is so weird that you cannot turn it into a musical somehow. Anyway. Yes. Okay, so yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for coming to our podcast. Okay. Please don't leave. We'll get lonely. <laughs> uh, and please excuse the slightly elevated level of profanity and donkey noises in this episode. Uh, and anyway, um, that's all we have time for. Check us out on Twitter. It's okay. fun. We have been Crackpot Theories, where um, the truth is significantly weirder than you ever thought it would be, and so are most musicals.